Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Psalm 25, 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be built put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O, o Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and, and his decrees. This is the word of the Lord. Sam, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Tamara, and thanks, team. My name is Jason Smith, and I'm one of the pastors here at OKC First Church. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Cover Psalms. It's the sermon series that our pastor John has been taking us through this summer. And Pastor John is not here this morning. I have heard rumors that he was traded for a number of future draft picks. <laughs> that is not the case. Our beloved pastor is not leaving Oklahoma City right now. Uh, he, we are keeping him as the cornerstone of this organization called the church, and so we are not trading him for those draft picks. I'm so glad that you are here this morning, and I'm glad that I get the opportunity as a guest preacher to bring the word to you this morning out of Psalm 25. This sermon series called Cover Psalms each week has had an opportunity to have a cover psalm. For those of you who may not be familiar, I know we have a bunch of kids in the room, it says it's Kids Sunday. A cover song is a new performance or recording by someone other than the original artist or composer of a previously recorded, commercially released song. And some of you know some of those all along the watchtower. It's probably one of the most famous, one of those cover songs. And I want to introduce to you Jeffrey Johnson, who'll be playing a cover of Psalm 25 for this morning. Would you welcome Jeffrey Johnson?
was, that was Jeffrey Johnson. If you don't know Jeffrey and Chesney Net, beautiful people, beautiful musicians. And for those of you who know Jeffrey, Jeffrey Johnson, that's Jeffrey Johnson's nephew and namesake. And uh, that was beautiful for us this morning to have some contemplative moments to be able to take in Psalm 25. Psalm 25 is an interesting one. I had a good conversation with Jeffrey before things began. He said it's kind of a loose interpretation of Psalm 25. There's kind of a thread that will hold it all together, but also it's pretty loose. And I said, well, that's really interesting because Psalm 25 is kind of like that. Psalm 25 is an acrostic. Now, it's not an acronym. An acronym is like a, a, a device to help you remember something, like never eat smiley worms, right? So that's a way to remember north, south, east, west. The planets, right? I remember this planets growing up. My very educated mother just served me nine pizzas. That was before Pluto wasn't a planet, I think. This is how I remember that. There's also, for those musicians out there, was it every good boy does fine? Isn't, those, isn't that one of those acronyms to help you remember things? Interesting that I have not played the piano. Patrick, you knew that one. I haven't played the piano in I don't know how many years. Probably close Hmm, probably close to 30 years. I haven't played the piano, but I can still remember, every good boy does fine. Isn't it interesting how there's sometimes these devices that we can use to help us remember things? An acrostic is a little bit different. Acrostic is more like a poem. And kids, it says it's Kids Sunday, if you have this little sheet of paper in front of you called the OKC First Kids Scribble Paper, this could be an activity you could do during the, during the sermon, during the service. I've actually seen some of you teens cross out kids and write teens scribble paper. Have you done that? Is it right there? Did you do that today? You scratch it out, write teens scribble paper. But as an acrostic, it's somewhat, somewhat like a poem. If you want to write your name down on the left side of the paper, like say Berkeley. If you want to write Berkeley, then you can make up a little poem. Berkeley, I'm talking to you. I know you're really into your art right now, but I'm talking to you, my kid. A little poem about you. Your face is red and I love it. But you let, me talk, you let me talk about you. It would be like something like this. Beautiful as a butterfly. Eager as the day is long. Reckless love for everybody. Kind as can be. B-E-R-K-L. Loves like Jesus. Oh, another E. Um, exciting to be around and why. Yakety yak. Don't talk back. I'm not sure how you fill those out. And sometimes that's how acrostics seem like. They're a little bit haphazard. There's a theme, but you're trying to figure out, how can I start this poem? How can I start this song? How can I start this psalm with the first letter of that acrostic that'll kind of make sense? Well, for those of you who know me well, you know that I'm very um, sentimental. I like to collect things. And um, I had a friend named Zach McCamey write an acrostic for me back in about the year 2000. And so I have kept that with me these last 20 years or so. I had it laminated, and I want to share it with you. He wrote this, I think he passed this to me as a note in class in Dr. Steve Green's Doctrine of Holiness class. It's not real clear, but I've, I've kept this on every bulletin board I've had the last 20 years it has been on there. Jumps for joy in chapel. A good friend strong like bull, over the moon and sea for Katie Farmer, Aww. not ugly or dumb or, bo or born in Abu Dhabi. So that's my friend, Zach. Two years later in chapel, Zach passes me another acrostic. I've kept both of them for these 20 years. 
just held smoothie night, which, come on, some of my friends who used to have smoothie night every Tuesday night in Chapman, we'd invite the whole school and we would pass out smoothies. Always a great friend. Stays up late waiting on, waiting on stupid SNU security. Long story, Zach, I'll have to tell it later. Over the moon for Katie Smith. Never gets tired of his crazy friend Zach. I loved these poems because in so many ways they do sum me up odd and haphazard as they are. Two years apart, these poems, they do make up some of who I am and who I was and who I would come to be. During those two years, I, we got married during those two years, and Zach passes this. It's one of the reasons I've kept these for so long, is that line, over the moon and stars for Katie Smith and over the moon for Katie Farmer. In so many ways, these acrostics, they talk about who I am, and they kind of are different from each line. You, the theme would be me, but also the way you put them together by trying to figure out how you would place that poem together through this acrostic way to remember them, it's kind of a little bit different. And so you have this acrostic poem in Psalm 25, and it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be held together by a few different themes that we're going to talk about this morning, but it's also going to be just a little bit haphazard. And I'm excited for that this morning because it allows me to talk about a few things that have been on my heart that we can find in the psalm together today. So let's take a journey through the haphazardness of this psalm. One of those themes is going to be education or instruction or teaching or leading on a path. And so this psalmist is probably, probably in a point of his life where he's reflecting upon some of his life and he's going to be passing this psalm along, maybe to some of our teens, maybe to some of our kids, and he's going to do it in this acrostic way to be able to lead and to teach his people so they can remember some of the things that he's wanting to pass along and down to them. And one of those was instruction. There are about five or six different ways in the Hebrew language to be able to say instruct. Every single one of those words is found in this psalm. Now, it's not going to be A, B, C, D, E, and you know that song, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Because in the Hebrew language, it's going to be a little bit different. I learned that Hebrew alphabet song to the tune of Yankee Doodle Dandy. There are 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. I'm only going to do the first part of the song, but I hope my Hebrew prof, when he listens to this on podcast, Marty Michelson, can at least be a little bit proud of me when I say, Aleph, Beit, and Gimel, Dalit, Hey, and Vav, and Zion. Oh, you liked that, Ken. You liked my hate, right? You liked that. You liked that Hebrew guttural sound. So, as you're teaching the Hebrew alphabet, there's going to be different songs that you teach your kids the Hebrew alphabet, just like you have our A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Let me try it again. Aleph, Beit, and Gimel, Dalit, He, and Vav, and Zion. And so in these ways, as they were bringing this psalm to their children, to their congregation, to remember it, it's going to be on that pattern that they understand will become the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. In the middle of that, these themes you find for education or instruction. Here's a few of those verses. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs even sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble 
his way. One of the ways that Yahweh is going to distinguish himself from the other gods of the other people around him is that God himself is going to be the teacher of the people of God. God is a relational God. You've heard it said around here many times, it's all about relationships. This God is all about relationships. And he is going to teach the people. He is going to be with the people. He's going to be leading his people. And so instruction or teaching or leading along the right path or leading along the right way is a way in which God is going to instruct his people in the ways of the Lord. Can you raise, well actually I'm doing something different. If you're a teacher, that can be in education, that can be in your home, that can be at a university. Could you stand for me? If you're a teacher in any way, in a public school, in a university setting, in your home, look around how many teachers we have. It's beautiful. Thank you, you can take a seat. I'm so grateful for you. I am the son of two teachers. My dad was a middle school math teacher, and my mom, a home ec teacher in middle school. My wife teaches at the university level in the hospital, and I teach disciple on Wednesday nights, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But for those of you who are teachers, and I'm not just talking to those of you who are teachers, but I specifically, if you would have ears to hear this, and for those of you who are students, I want you to think about some of the best teachers you've ever had. There's a variety of different ways to teach. I think the elder's in San Diego, but she teaches teachers, one of our teachers of the year. There's a variety of different ways to teach and a variety of different ways to learn how to teach those information to pass along. And what I'm here to say this morning in a variety of different ways, there's Faith, one of our teachers. I didn't see you, Faith. That's good to see you. Faith, I I just didn't mean to. You just popped into my head, okay? Faith, you taught people because you loved them. There's different ways to teach. On the screen, you have two words, transactional or relational. You can give information in a transaction. Or the way, Faith, you taught your whole life, you loved children. And in your love for them, you gave yourself to them. And you taught them, yes, information, but you taught them because you loved them in a relational way. And so there's different ways to teach and there's different ways to learn. And I'm convinced that most of you who are teachers, who love Jesus, are giving yourself to your students in a way that you are relationally giving yourself to them as you teach. Your goal is going to be to have them learn information. But that's not the only goal. And that's not the way you're going to get there. You're going to get there in ways because you love somebody and you teach them towards a particular way of life and a way of being. Yes, it's information, but there's something that happens with a really good teacher that allows that student to trust you, Faith, in ways that they can go to you and ask questions that if you were just someone who was rigid teaching them facts and data, it would be very different. In the same way, we serve and love a relational God who is going to be in love teaching us and instructing us. Not just giving us data as if you do bad, this happens to you, and you do good, this happens to you. We don't serve a God who is a transactional God. We serve a relational God who is going to be teaching us in relational ways. I want you to think about learning in a variety of different ways. Whether it's learning to play an instrument, learning to play a sport, perhaps learn a language, perhaps a trade. And maybe my favorite one, which we're going to focus on, is learn how to play a game. There's different ways you can learn that. But I think the most effective way for most of these 
is to be able to not just go to YouTube and to watch a video to do it, although some of you are talented enough to do that. But in a variety of these ways, you oftentimes need a teacher or a coach to be able to show you how to move forward in the world. And that teacher or that coach is going to love you in ways and give you the opportunity to practice your trade, language, sport, or instrument. That as you partner with this instruction, as you partner with this coach, as you partner with this small group, as you partner with this pastor, as you partner with someone who is going to lovingly lead you in a new activity, giving you the opportunities to practice that, you may be able to learn in an incredible way. That'll be very meaningful, that you can kind of master that skill or sport or language or game. And speaking of games, one of my favorite things about learning to play a game is this. How many of you have love a game and you invite a friend over to play that game and you're trying to explain it to them and about halfway through the explanation and you're kind of talking all over yourself you just say well let's just play it together and you'll figure it out as we go along right i heard that chuckle and ken you've been the best listener today so far gold star ken hardy two loud laughs that just have made me love listening i'm going to speak right to him now ken you love games right you love games you have friends over to play games and it's, there's times when you just can't use them enough words, right? You just have to say, well, let's just play. And as we play, we'll figure it out together. And these rules, you'll learn the rules and you'll learn who wins and who loses. But you can't just talk your way into a game. You've got to play your way into it. And in so many ways, we want that for all of you for your faith. Because your faith is relational. Your faith is not just learning everything, and once you've learned everything, then you get it because you've got it in your mind. No. No. Just come along with us. Might you join us in this journey? Might I take you along on this path? It's not something you have to have everything figured out. You know, have to know all the rules first to then play the game. No. Just join us in the game. Join us together in the fun called faith, and we'll figure out the rules as we go along. And sometimes the rules change. Ken, you laughed again. You're, my, my goodness, you're so good. Right, because Ken, you, you were apprenticed down in, I, this is not in my script, by the way, Ken. You were apprenticed by Ron Benefiel at the Brzee Institute. You and your wife, is that where you guys met? You were apprenticed at this communal living center that was focused on compassionate ministry for those who were down and out in L.A. And you learned the faith through someone like Ron, who we love here at this church, and Kathy Mowry, right? Students, where, where are my, where are my Trevecca friends? Kathy studied with them at the Brzee Institute. And now Kathy's had our Trevecca interns here with us this summer. It's amazing how that happens and how... God works in some of those amazing different ways. And some of the ways in which you jumped into life at the Breezy Institute, that changed all of who you are and the direction of your life. And some of the rules there have continued, but some of them have changed. And you think differently about things now than you did back then, but you jumped into the journey. And in so many ways, I think this psalm and I think this series and I think our church is asking you to just join us. To just join us. To say... I'm going to learn along with you. I don't know if I know all the rules or I don't know if I know anything, but I'm going to join you on that. And that's one of my very, very favorite students in a class called Disciple. It's a class that we'll, I'll begin teaching in September and I'll go till the end of April. 
We're teaching this class called Disciple Fast Track Now, and it's like, look out and see so many of you who've gone through this, either with me or with Judy or with Kim or with Robin. Here's a few of the classes that I've taken through the last three years. In so many ways, I think this is one of the ways that you just jump into faith. I've been talking to one of you. I'm not sure if I see you out in the crowd in the congregation today or not. But you've said, I know nothing about the Bible. I'm kind of scared of the Bible. But I kind of want to just figure out what it's like to live in the Bible. And so would you have me in Disciple this year? And yes, I'm so excited for that particular student. And so in this moment, and there'll be a couple other opportunities this summer for you to sign up for Disciple, but this is your first big in the sermon Disciple advertisement. Maybe God right now is inviting you to join with other believers at OKC First Church to journey through Scripture together with a leader in an apprenticeship-styled model to be able to learn Scripture together. And so we're going to give you some of those opportunities, but this is one of them. I get to teach this class, and one of my favorite things is the way that some of my favorite friends out there are people that I have been able to become friends with through this class. It's a variety of different ages and life situations, and you really get to learn from Scripture, from me, and from one another. And it's in some of those ways that I I, I think the data is important. I think it's, I love the Bible. But what I've seen so incredibly is the way in which God is able to transform us through our relationships. It's through learning together with one another in community around Scripture that allows us to be transformed. Because we are transformed by data, but we're transformed more, not by transactions, but by relationships. And God will partner with you and with us as we move towards Scripture to be able to be transformed and look a little bit more like Him. It's one of the ways in which I believe that we lean into education or instruction here at OKC First Church. Just jump in, join us in this. And if God is pricking your heart to say, I've never heard of this class, but that sounds just like me, or I have been here for the last seven years that Pastor Jason has been talking about Disciple, and I haven't done it yet, this is my year. When the friendship folder is passed down later, could you write your name and let me know? Because we believe that in some of the ways of teaching, it is through relationship and small group and instruction and love that we are transformed. I also want to talk about another opportunity coming up in Wednesday night. It's going to be an all-church effort called Financial Peace. Yes, this is somewhat of another announcement. There is going to be opportunities for you in the fall for a church-wide opportunity for you to give yourselves to this class with apprenticeship, with instruction, with opportunities to practice. We're going to have opportunities. So if you want to do disciple and financial peace, that's that's a possibility because, Pastor Aaron, we don't have everything nailed down right now, but there's going to be opportunities on potentially Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Other opportunities perhaps during the week that no matter if you're a volunteer or a leader or in disciple, you can have the opportunity to dive into financial peace. That in together, in a group, you with a leader in an apprenticeship model with opportunities to practice, your life and finances may be transformed. And it takes the practice, doesn't it? Whether it's an instrument or finances or faith or sport, you can't just come to financial peace, learn everything, and then immediately go to the mall and buy everything that you want on credit that you do not have. Right? It takes instruction, it takes opportunity, but it also takes practice. 
And so as you practice this faith and jump into the journey, some of the things about instruction and education and an invitation to the path to follow after God, we find within this particular sermon. We find within this particular psalm. We find within this particular acrostic. Now there's a couple of different areas of this acrostic as we kind of jump around that I want to lean on today that I think God has been placing on my heart to share with you. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. One is the idea of grace and forgiveness. And so you have this, this psalmist who's writing this acrostic poem and he's talking about instruction. He wants you to follow after God. In the middle of this, he also just is asking God to love and forgive him. And so you've got this. Be this is in Psalm 25, verses 6 and 7. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Not only is the God that we serve a God who is relational, he is a God who is loving. He is a God who is forgiving. And he is a God who finds us right where we are. This idea of forgiveness is an important one to me, and it seems like, Lisa, every book I've read, I've talked about this in staff meeting, haven't I, the last three weeks, every book I've read the last couple of months has been talking about forgiveness. And so in this acrostic-style sermon and an acrostic-style psalm, let me talk to you about forgiveness for a moment. God loves you. God cares for you. God is there for you. He is a relational God. And I get to speak with you from time to time. And from the pulpit, I want to tell you as a church body, God is there for you and can forgive you no matter what you have done. God's forgiveness is right on the tip of his tongue. He loves you and is ready to forgive. For God, throughout all of Scripture, all the way to the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. That is the message of the gospel. And as you listen to the good news today, and I know some of you, when you listen to sermons, you listen to what is the good news. For we don't come here, the gospel is not good advice the gospel is good news. And the gospel today, in this moment, is that God is ready to forgive you. And I think some of you have a hard time forgiving yourself for what you have done. And I think you can look at yourself and you can say, I don't know if I can forgive myself, I don't know if God can forgive me. Or some of you may say, I think God can forgive me, but I don't know if I can forgive myself. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is there for you. Forgiveness is there from the heart of God. And God can allow you to forgive yourself for anything that you've done that you carry with you. God can, in his grace, because he is a relational God, give you the gift 
to cut off that which weighs you down and give you new wings to fly. Here's the second side of that, church. Once you have that forgiveness, you are commissioned to forgive others. It is so important as a church, any church of any size, whether it be two or three are gathered or the few hundred we have today, or the church around the world, it is so important once we've experienced the love and forgiveness and embrace of Christ to offer and extend that forgiveness to others. Because in any church, there is going to be broken relationships and broken friendships. It's just bound to happen because we're humans. God doesn't call a church of perfect robots. He calls a church of broken humans to live together. And when you live together in your family or your Sunday school class or your small group or your pew, there's going to be brokenness. There's going to be moments in which you get your feelings hurt by somebody from church. Like really hurt. Like they didn't show up when they were supposed to. Like they said something they weren't supposed to say. Like they disagree with me unchristianly. And they, they posted something on a social media site that just flat out, they did that for me because of me to hurt my feelings. I don't know if you've felt that before. We all tell stories about what happens in our lives. And there's happened to be moments of bristling. But church, what I, my hope for our church, and I've said this the last three staff meetings, I want you to forgive one another. I want you to have the strength of character. And this also takes a deep self-awareness because some of us aren't aware that we've hurt somebody. But to go to someone and say, I'm sorry if I have hurt your feelings. Boy, that doesn't seem like the acrostic Jason S, strong like bull. That doesn't seem like strong like bull. But that might be one of the strongest things you do in your entire life. To have the humility to go to someone who you know you've hurt their feelings and say, I'm sorry. Can we be a church that says I'm sorry to one another? I'm sorry that I didn't live up to the level of churchmanship and friendship that God has for you and for me. What a gift to have forgiveness here. This has been on my heart for a very long time. And the gift that I have to preach for you today to have this forgiveness theme. I wonder, I've got two kids, they're on the front row. I promise I will never pick out one of them. I've already picked out the other one. But you, some of you have had children. And there are kids in the room. Let me find some kids. There's a whole row. Right? Look at this right here. Come on. Miles, Judson, Anders. Right? Okay. Come on, come on up, come on, come on, come on. This is way off script. It's an off script kind of day. Come on. <laughs> Boys, have your parents ever to any of your siblings said to you, you guys, stop fighting. You apologize to one another and, and hug. Have, you, have your parents ever said that to you? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, right now, Miles, hug Judson and say her sorry. Judd, hug Miles. Hug, hug it. Say her sorry. Sorry. No, no. Just come on, go back to your seats and be nice to one another and be friends. Go. <laughs> Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Church, I know some of you forced your kids to do that or with their friends. Sometimes as a pastor, we want to do that to you. <laughs> Get up here. You over here. 
you get over here and you apologize. I don't care if you hate one another. You're going to hug, hug, and go back to your seats. <laughs> Amen, says Pastor Aaron. Might God give us the grace to say, I'm sorry. That could be someone on your row. That can be someone in your household. That can be someone in your youth group. That can be someone in your kids' department. Might God give us the grace to say, because God has loved us and God has forgiven us, that I forgive you. Sometimes the hardest part is not the I forgive you part. It's the courage to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, which can lend to a moment to say, I forgive you. There's another part of this acrostic that is an offer to prayer. I'm going to read a line from my favorite commentary this week. It says this. This song, the whole thing, prayer is at its heart. Prayer is at its heart holding up our lives to God because all of life depends on God. There's a couple of different commentaries that say the whole acrostic is to allow people to know how to go to God in prayer at different times of your life whether you need instruction, whether you need forgiveness, whether you're struggling with an enemy. You can read all of Psalm 25. It's all over the place. But in so many ways, a couple of our authors this week who I were reading said Psalm 25 starts with this couplet. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I, in you I trust. And it's a way for us to understand prayer. Another thing that I have had on my heart to want to talk to my church family about. How is God leading you to talk with him? I'm going to pick on somebody. I'm not going to say their name, but I'm going to be looking at them. I had an opportunity to take one of you to lunch recently. And you asked me, how do I pray, Jason? I know that prayer no longer is just me bringing a list of requests to God. I know that. But because of that, now I'm not sure what to do with prayer, so I'm not sure how much I pray. Does, does that make sense, church? I think some of us are like that, right? We've learned that prayer is not just taking my requests to God and just asking for a bunch of stuff like he's Santa Claus. But what do I do now that I know it's not just asking God to pray? And so I love that question. And I hope that one of the most simple practices I can give you is during our prayer time in just a few moments after we partake in Eucharist. I want to challenge you. Might you focus on God in prayer during those moments at church? I know it's the most optimal time to catch up on Instagram. I know it's the most optimal time to see who won between Djokovic and Federer. I know it's the most optimal time in just a few short weeks to make sure your fantasy football lineup is just right because you've got someone in PPR, you don't know if you should start the running back or the wide receiver. And so you get to your seat after Eucharist 
And isn't it so easy to pull out your phone and see what kind of text messages or alerts or, or is there a wait at lunch that I need to kind of make sure I get to, get to take care of? Or some of you have taken that time to go ahead and slip out right after Eucharist. I want to challenge you as a church. Might you be able to put your phone away as we move to the table and return to your seats or a place of prayer? It's going to be hard, especially if you have the habit of as soon as you take bread and cup, as soon as I sit down, I'm going to pull that phone out. Because that's how we, most of our lives go. But I want to challenge you. If you're asking how to connect with God in prayer, might you for those few moments not have your phone on you and looking at it? Might you at that time listen to the pastoral prayer, be silent and listen during that one minute of silence I think we're going to continue to have during a time of prayer? This morning it's going to be listening to your kids' prayers and praying for your kids. But that's one of the ways you can enter into an opportunity to challenge yourself to move towards prayer. I'm not going to go through, because I don't have any idea what time it is, and I'm way off script. I'm not going to go through all the different ways to pray. But we'd like to help you to learn how to pray, and that's one step. I do want to tell you about one more. I told that young man who, who took me out to lunch to ask me how to pray. And I said, as you go to bed, another opportunity for you to put your phone down. Whether that lasts 15 minutes to catch up on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. But to go ahead and put your phone down and and to relax, and to to lay in bed, and think about your day. And invite God into that exercise. I call it an examen in my own life, but you can call it whatever you want. But invite God into your life, and just think about your day, and then think about where did you see God during your day? And just think about that. And invite God into your life to think about where you see God in your day-to-day life. And it's in those moments that I think it would be a practice for you that you can enter into having a God as a part of your everyday life. Because I think that's the theme of this psalm. That we want, the psalmist wants, God wants himself to be a part of all of your lives. On your Sundays, but on your Mondays. At your work, at your school, with your family. Everywhere you go, that God will be a part of your life. And here is some good news. Psalm 25, verse 10, where we conclude. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. I'm not sure how many of you have heard this word today. Steadfast love. It was in verse 6, it's in verse 10, it's in the psalm that Pastor Lisa read. It was in all three of our songs. Since we've had so much Hebrew today, I'll just say the Hebrew word for it, chesed. Loving, steadfast love and faithfulness of God. And that's the invitation that God has for us today. To give our lives over to God in community in practice, following after him. And probably the best practice we have to practice all of it is the table of the Lord. So Aaron and Kristen, could you come and help? And I'm grateful for Katie for helping as well. And I think we've got our kids servers this morning on Kids Sunday. That's quite the opportunity too. For you to receive bread and cup, 
from some of our smallest servants. Jesus, we ask that you would bless these elements and bless this moment. And that, God, we would give ourselves over to you, that you would instruct us in these moments to receive your forgiveness, to focus on you in prayer, and to give our lives over to your steadfast love. So, God, we ask that you would transform these elements into the means of grace, that we may be transformed as well. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand and head to your left and come in front of you. And in front of you, there will be a couple of these kids or sponsors. If you could come with open hands, receiving this gift of this gluten-free matzo bread. If you would go ahead and take that and have someone place that into your hands. And if you would take that and dip that into the juice and then partake right there. That person will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. And then I want to encourage you to find a place to pray. You can pray here in these moments, at these, what John calls our mourner's benches. You also have these two different padded pews. And if you need healing for anything in your life, any brokenness, if you know you have a broken relationship with someone and you just can't see yourself going to say sorry to them, come to one of our padded pews. Offer an opportunity for someone to anoint you with oil for healing for that. Any kind of physical, emotional, relational healing, you can find a place to pray at these altars in front of us that are padded. There's also this bowl of baptismal water that we serve as a reminder for God's great gift of baptism to us as we join the family of God and identify ourselves through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And if you want to be, have the opportunity to have that be remembered in your life today, that's an option for you as well. I'm going to pray for us this morning. If you uh, have a hard time finding your way to this table, Aaron and Kristen will come to you. But let's offer our lives as a sacrifice to God. Let's gather around this table together, which binds us in love to one another. And let's experience the forgiveness of grace of Jesus. And my prayer for us and my prayer for you, will you, when you find a seat, to listen to what God may have to say to you in prayer? Let's pray. Jesus, you have given us a gift of being together today. Thank you for the gift of your word, and we thank you for the gift of bread and cup, which offers us, God, relationship with you, friendship with you, your forgiveness, and a life together on your path. And so, Jesus, would you transform us in these moments to look just like you? For it was on the night that he was betrayed. Can you believe that, guys? The night he was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And that same night he took the cup and redefined it as a new covenant of his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And he invites us to the table and says, take and drink, do this in remembrance of me. May this moment be a moment of prayer be a moment of forgiveness, and be a moment of instruction. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand and come to the table? You are all invited to the table of the Lord.